Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You're invited to be seated. The Apostle Paul writing in the epistle to the Philippians. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Mark Twain was writing at the time this building was built. Cornerstone, 1899. What's Mark Twain up to? Writing the adventures of Tom Sawyer. One of my favorite scenes in that book is when Tom Sawyer, his good buddy Joe Harper, and his other good buddy Huckleberry Finn fake their own deaths and they attend their own funeral. There they hear the kind, compassionate thoughts of the words of those who love them that were said at a funeral. Aunt Polly, who is so stern with him, understands that her sternness was much too hard and she needed to have more loving discipline instead of cruel punishment. Others who clicked their tongues of condemnation over the boys who were out of control translated those clicks of their tongue to how much potential these boys had. What high energy. All of a sudden they saw that as a hope for the lives that these boys had been dashed. Then, the boys, feeling guilty, as you remember, confessed to their prank as they walked down the central aisle. But Aunt Polly learned in that, that her cruel punishment was truly that. It wasn't compassionate love. She learned to change and to be different into the future. It's as if the scene is set in that wonderful story by Mark Twain about what to do after a death. The scene is set in the book of John. Jesus is there in Bethany, and they throw a dinner party for Jesus. How cool would that be, to throw a dinner party for Jesus? Well, his friends do, and people who are appreciative, because who sits at that table? They're at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. You remember Lazarus, the one who had died, the sisters had said, 
If only you would have been here, our brother would not have died. And Jesus says, roll away the stone. He stands outside and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus, wrapped up in the linen wrappings like a mummy, comes out of the tomb. John is telling us that death has no power when confronted by the presence of Jesus himself. It's meant to be a picture to show us what will come in the resurrection, except Jesus doesn't come out of the tomb wrapped up in the binds of death and burial. No, those are left behind in the tomb. Even the napkin that would cover the face is folded up neatly and put aside. Nothing can hold Jesus. And we're taken to a dinner party there with Lazarus at the table. And then the scene unfolds. One that is so strange to our culture. Mary the one who sits at Jesus' feet, is now worshiping, anointing his feet for burial, wiping it with her own hair. What a perfect picture of love, of commitment, and intimacy with Jesus, their friend. It's an important picture here. And I love how that scene plays out. Because, of course, when you eat in the Middle East in the first century, you don't sit at a table. You don't sit on a chair. You recline, the food is put there in the middle of the room, and you take your bread and tear off. You lean on your elbow, your unclean elbow, because your left hand does the caretaking of unclean things. And you recline on your elbow, and you eat with your clean hand. And your feet lay back, and Mary sees Jesus' feet. Something so stunning here. She has an abundance of perfumed nard. So powerful that it covers up the smell of death. And so we put it on a body as it lays in state in a house before burial. Why did she have so much? She should have used it all on Lazarus, her brother, who had died just a week before. But she didn't. I almost see here in this text, Mary, who sees Jesus and can probably see what's happening. The authorities are crushing down on him. His words are about his coming death. And she says, this time I'm not going to miss out on anointing my beloved friend. I missed out with my brother Lazarus, but I'm not going to miss it this time. Who knows where Jesus will be? Who knows what the Romans would do with the body? I will take time to anoint right now. It's a powerful gesture of not missing out on something she had missed out on before. It's as if she was saying, I won't make this mistake again. I'm going to show how much I love you, Jesus. What care I would take care of you. I don't know what will become of you in the coming days. 
I don't know if the Romans will give your body back. But as for me, I won't make the mistake again and leave this perfumed nard sitting on the shelf. What an amazing picture it is. She takes the opportunity, like an Ann Polly, I won't use cruel punishment. I will use loving discipline. I will change. I will learn. I will grow. I will continue to move forward. And I will share what I can share today because I only have today. But then we're sort of rocked by the first reading that Trista read from Isaiah. It was a confusing reading for me as I was reading it and studying and preparing. It says, do not remember the former things or consider things of old. That seems to go so different from what is always encouraged in the Old Testament. Remember what God has done for you. God has given you a freedom and passed through the Red Seas. God was with you as you fought against the giants in the land. And here Isaiah the prophet says, Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I think what Isaiah is getting at here is forgetting is not demanding that the past be repeated exactly as it was. There's only one Red Sea to go through and God is only going to hold back the waters one time. Look for what God will do in a new way to deliver you to new kinds of freedom. It's exactly what Matthew does as he writes his gospel. Jesus is Moses, only greater. That's why he's carried into Egypt as an infant, so he can show us what deliverance, not from slavery, but slavery to sin looks like. Don't remember the former things as if we have to repeat them, and that's the only way that God will work. Be always looking for the new things. Do you not perceive it? It's exactly what Jesus was doing when he broke the bread and fed the 5,000. Every image is about the manna in the wilderness. But they had to go out and pick up manna every day. And Jesus says, I am the life-giving bread that will fill you eternally. Don't go looking for manna again. Forget the things of the past. Consider the new things that I will do. Because I'm God at work today. I love how the image of that is seen in Mary. Mary seems to understand that the past cannot be the present. And so some things must become new. And that's what Paul picks up on. Forgetting what lies behind. Strain forward to what lies ahead. The pandemic, 
has changed the religious world, the church world. The pandemic has changed even St. John's. I don't think we can go back to a day where, remember how we did it then, let's do it exactly like that now. But what we can do is say, we will strain forward to see what is ahead. We won't miss the opportunities like Mary wouldn't miss the opportunity to anoint Jesus. But she had to think of it in a new way. I'm going to anoint him before he's dead. Because I might not get the chance after. I blew it with Lazarus. I'm not blowing it again. That's what we do in our life. We look at the world that we're in and we can't go back and make it be exactly the same. Things never repeat exactly. And so we look ahead to what God is doing. We look ahead to it in our church. We look ahead to it in our own lives. We've enjoyed the pieces and the parts of our life. But our kids grow up. Our jobs change and develop. The world around us and our neighborhoods change. And so what do we do? We always strain forward to see what lies ahead because God is with you today. And the newness of today will be carried into new things tomorrow. Not forgetting like they never happened, but not hoping that they'll repeat exactly the same. Instead, we see new ways that God will bring life in new ways to the situations that are in front of us. What an amazing set of readings today. It's the great call of each and every day of a person of faith to forget what lies behind, to strain forward to what lies ahead, because our call whether in a church or in our individual lives, is to press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ. Our call is to walk our life of faith, trusting the Spirit each and every day to give us new eyes for the way that resurrection life can be found. Amen.